read about people and things that inspire you. Like I like looking at what is Bill Gates talking about? What is he saying? What is Satya Nadal, the CEO of Microsoft, talking about saying? What is he kind of dabbling in? What is somebody like Elon Musk talking about? What is somebody like Arianna Huffington? Mm -hmm. I love her books where she's, you know, she's kind of built this thing about, you know, your well-being and taking care of yourself. Yes, yep. And, you know, getting enough sleep and not being, you know, a, a martyr to your work because that's not going to fundamentally help you. Mm -hmm. Go watch the world. Watch fashion designers that you really, really love and how they create. Hey there, this is Ben. Thanks for tuning in to Lead the Team. Before we jump in, we just broke into the top 3% of all podcasts globally, and that's largely due to the support of listeners just like you. I invite you to subscribe so you're notified when we release a new episode and also leave a quick review. Welcome back to Lead the Team with number one best-selling author and in-demand corporate trainer, Ben Fanning. On this podcast, the world's most innovative senior leaders share their top success strategies to motivate your direct reports, cultivate your top leaders, and accelerate your career. Let's get started. Here's Ben. Ooh, lead the Team Nation. Welcome back. I've got a great one to start for you today with Nelson Freitas, who is the Global Chief Strategy Officer over at Omnicom. Now, Omnicom Group, if you're not familiar with it, is a strategic holding company that has in the industry's most diverse portfolio of more than 1,000 companies serving over 5,000 clients in more than 100 countries. Now, Nelson has served in leadership roles with BBDO, TBWA, Ogilvy, Wonderman, Thompson, and has worked on brands that you know like Eli Lilly, Ford, Microsoft, Procter & Gamble. SAP, Google, Citibank, et cetera, et cetera. The laundry list goes on, but we got to get into the interview, y'all. Nelson, welcome to the show. Thank you so much. Thank you, Ben. Let, let's dig in. So what makes great leadership? Ooh, what a loaded question. <laughs> I hope it's not too loaded. Um, here's um, here's the, the thing. I feel like there's so many different um, definitions of this. What's worked for me is um, a, a couple of things. First is uh, one, you got to be incredible at your your job and what you do and your craft, because you need to be the first person, if needed, to you know roll up your sleeves and get into the work uh, and know how to do the work and be able to lead the team doing the work. You don't want to be the person. I don't know, providing input and suggestions and ideas, but yet you've never made it or done it or crafted it. Mm -hmm. uh, so for me, it's like job number one, being incredibly uh, amazing at your craft, because that creates um, a sense of respect and confidence in mm -hmm. those around you. Uh, because if you don't know how to do it, then how can you possibly lead has always been my thing. The, 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 ne the next one is... Um, lead with um, with a sense of purpose. Know where you're going. Mm -hmm. Have a sense of where it's going to land and the outcome that you envision. And set the bar exceptionally high, almost so high that you feel like, wow, if we meet this, it's going to be 
out of this world. Because I feel like when you set it high, you'll mm. come below that. Um, if you set it too low, you're just going to be below that. So set it really, really high. So it feels almost unreachable, but yet possible, possible to do. The next, I think for me is inspire using just as many different ways in as you possibly can to make people feel like there's kind of nourishment bubbling up uh, and you're, you're, you're feeding the system with thoughts and ideas and, and, and things like that. Uh, and then the last I always say is aim for, you know, being a game changer and doing it mm -hmm. completely different because no one wants another mousetrap. So think 10x, not 1x or 2x or incrementally. Just think, let's create something that the world really, really needs but has never seen before. Um, and then, of course, those other things that we talk about, lead with empathy, bring in the sense of diversity, be inclusive, include every, everyone, stay positive. Um, you know, those, those for me are key. But the anchor is be the first to kind of run to the fire and like lead and get into the work versus, um, I guess, organizing people and all that kind of stuff. Be the first to like, get, get, get into it, start bringing ideas. Yeah. So much power in that, because I, I feel like it, it's so easy for a leader to get sort of the ivory tower sort of perspective from their people. Yeah. They're, they're leading, but they're way up there and they're trying to lead us down here. They don't, and they can't really relate to what it's like to sort of roll your sleeves up. And it can be tough to, to garner, garner respect that way. Uh, unless you've been there, unless the, everyone knows, okay, you know, Ben Nelson, you know, they've been there before. And I feel like during the pandemic, sometimes this has arisen as a challenge for a lot of leaders because maybe they're managing a remote team. And sometimes you're leading people where you don't know what they're doing exactly, right? You're trying to get them to buy into a vision, but you may not know all the technical details of what they do. What's your advice for leaders who you know, they've got to lead a team and they don't know exactly what their team is up to activity wise. And even maybe they don't know the technical details behind it. Yeah. Um, I think it goes back to my original point. Keep your eye focused on what you ultimately want to achieve and what the ultimate outcome is that you're looking to achieve and the ambition. What's the end end product or what's the end end craft? Um, and how have you as a leader done that uh, in the past, recently, preferably? And therefore, I feel like it becomes easier to relate to people with their particular discipline because you're being able to zero in on what their contribution needs to be to the overall end goal. If you don't have a sense of the end goal or the vision or how, you know, the sausage is made, then it's going to be very, for me, it's always been very difficult to lead because I don't, well, I don't know what the end point is. And I perhaps I've never mm -hmm. done it. So I don't, I don't know the ups and downs. I don't know how to maneuver through this, but if you've done it, it's a little bit, you could be a little bit, it becomes instinctive mm -hmm. uh, and a little bit like easier because you're just feeling your way into it and moving your way into it, you know, fluidly. 
And therefore, you could use your team strategically and give them both latitude and focus to do what they would do well and just follow up accordingly. If you don't know what people do, then it's going to make that really, really mm-hmm. difficult. I think for me, it has um, because I want to like know because I want to be able to give them both meaningful feedback and something that they want to do that they feel motivated by and passionate about. Listen, let's rewind the clock a little bit on your leadership. It's where you see, you have these, these, uh, we're, we're talking listeners before we got on about, you know, how, how Nelson's honed his leadership thoughts and insights. So let's take it back to the beginning. What was your first job and how does it influence your leadership approach today? I feel like my first really meaningful one that really impacted me was at um, TBWA. Uh, I this was like oh god, I'm dating myself. Two thousand, early two thousand, ninety nine, two thousand, and uh, I was you know based in San Francisco, but I went back between San Francisco and and, La, and Los Angeles, and this is when. Uh, Clearly, Lee Cloud was still, you know, uh, head honcho of the organization. And um, I uh, I just observed him and how he worked. And I was, first of all, always blown away by his ability to, in a very practical human way, relate Mm -hmm. to everybody's job and work whether you're a creative, well, clearly creative, a strategist, an account person, a producer, Mm -hmm. the client, and give them incredibly meaningful and valuable feedback that I would step back and say, damn, where did he see that? Wow, I didn't didn't see that. He would always be able to like turn it around and give people incredibly meaningful Mm -hmm. feedback to what they were supposed to do. And I think it probably was based on his just innate ability to like do his job exceptionally well mm-hmm. so i mo- i tried to like model myself mm-hmm. a little bit like him even though i was like a little bit in wonder of him oh my god that's just did he ever of- give you direct feedback pardon me did he ever give you feedback always always what was something he gave you feedback where you were like hey that was pretty that was the, pretty helpful the brief isn't interesting enough it's not going to create great work the outcome is not going to hit the vision. And that's because he knew what it was supposed to do um, versus just, you know, being a little bit of a box checker. So I think it was the sense of knowing how to do the work, creating the work, and therefore knowing how to give people the right feedback to get mm-hmm. you to do it. And he did it in such a, you know, gentle, matter of fact, human way that felt so the like gentle oh. human side of it. Cause feedback can be hard. I mean, everybody, not everybody loves it. a lot of people talk. We talk about leaders giving feedback. Yeah. A real leader asks for it and receives it openly, which sometimes is pretty difficult. Yeah. But it sounds like, uh, the, what was his name again? Lee, 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 Cloud. Lee Cloud. So Lee, Lee, the legend, Lee, the legend, uh, was able to give feedback in a way, deliver it in a way that people would hear it. Uh, and, and he, you said, you said gentle, you said human, just thoughtful. Mm-hmm. Um, 
and I think people res- had a ton of respect with him, which helps because he just, I guess his work spoke for itself. Hmm. Right. He was just such a craftsperson, perfection, and just an incredible body of work that how could you not take his feedback seriously? We had a lot, he had that respect factor that you were talking yeah. about early, earlier. Yeah. Um, and he always tried to like push the envelope, be a convention mm-hmm. bender, disrupt. I mean, TBWA, disruption, disrupt, do it differently. Um, yeah, that made it that made it feel like at the time, like, wow, you know, I'm making something meaningful here. I'm changing the mm-hmm. world in my own little way for somebody who's like relatively young and new to the industry. What advice would you give your younger self today? Or tell them something they should try? Don't overthink it. Just get into it a little Mm -hmm. bit. Sometimes we tend to overthink it, overthink it, overthink it. Don't feel like you need to be a people pleaser all the time. Craft, you know, build your own confidence and point of view. And feel free to have a voice in the room because... We, we're in a very human industry that's all about human experiences and we all have them and we all have something to contribute. So whatever yours is, is equally as important as somebody else's. So feel free that you don't need to have it edited in your head and be, I guess, less filtered, I guess, is what I'm saying. Just put it, put it out there and, and express your, your your point of view on the subject. Yeah, that takes a lot of courage, especially yeah. when maybe you're not senior in the organization. Because you feel like your ideas will be shot down, maybe you don't have very much authority, and you're trying to reach to that next reach and get to that next level. Yeah. And man, you say an idea, and let's just be frank, it sucks. I mean, listen, <laughs> the leaders I, are like, "What is that person saying?" Yeah, they do not need to get promoted. Uh, it's it's easier said than done. Now, in a lot of ways. Yeah, I mean. As long as it's informed, meaningful, and thoughtful, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. I was a little more reserved, I guess. You know, I, I developed that skill a little, you know, la- later. I was just like a little bit in awe of where I was. And so I just was more of a listener. But, you know, I remember reading this quote recently on Instagram, and I think it said, you know, no voice, no point of view, you're invisible kind of a thing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. A little bit, which is there. There's some. There's some. There's some truth to that, I guess. Yeah, it's important to have our own perspective and to develop that. And you don't develop it by just reading. You develop it by reading, maybe, and synthesizing a lot of ideas. But yeah, having that courage to put it out there and practicing it, whether yeah. it's in put it on LinkedIn there. or in your office or wherever the heck it is, but start getting it yeah. out there. And other points of view are going to counterbalance that. Uh, and force you to enrich yours and elevate yours. But if you have a room of naysayers, you're going nowhere. Or if everybody thinks the same way, you're going you're going nowhere. What's the one trait you wish you could instill on every employee? And why do you think it's important? I think the, the courage to develop your own style or point of view or craft. And not feel like you need to emulate someone else because i feel like if you take from the world and you craft your own style uh and your own craft and your own kind of approach to thing it's a great deal of um 
it gives you confidence and empowerment and a uh, a grounding that that you need um, in terms of how you approach your work. So when you're going to develop your own point of view, and, that, and, I, and I'm just curious about this. So we'll, I'll, I'll talk about me for a second and sort of give you an example of how I think about this. When someone asks me a question and I've never written about it, it's hard for me sometimes to articulate exactly my opinion. There's something about writing it down as painful as it may be sometimes. Uh, even if I just jot it down, roll like if you ask me a question, I jot down the answer. I'm like, okay, it kind of triggers for me. Then I'm a little more focused. What's the process for you where you sort of develop your point of view? Is it like a bunch of meetings? Is it talking to a friend? Is it re I mean reading or do you sit by yourself and reflect? There's probably a lot of ways to it, but I'm curious what your process is. Yeah, I think it's more um I think it's a little bit of all of that. And I think mm. it takes some time to feel comfortable in it. Um absorb from the world, think about the world, read from all sorts of different places. I'm not a I read business books, but I also read books in all other areas to be able to have a round a well-rounded point of view. Think just innately of what you're good at <laughs> and what you love to do. Mm-hmm. I'm a good writer. I'm a good storyteller. I'm a, I have a good strategic mind. I like getting into the numbers and turning those numbers into something that feels compelling. I like to bend the convention and do it differently. Think about all those elements and start noodling mm-hmm. as almost your recipe that you start honing in and you start developing over time. I've been in many many different agencies over over the years but and I've adapted to the culture of those agencies mm-hmm. um and what they need and what clients need but there's a certain core aspect that I've learned that I've held on to um that's given me a great deal of comfort I guess in me being able to it doesn't matter the situation I'm thrown into I'm going to be able to solve that situation and you you accumulate the, that that like you know my mom's best chocolate cake recipe that she keeps building on and creating and it has these different ingredients and then in turn becomes your style mm-hmm. uh, learn from other people like when you like I, I always used to look at like professional athletes actors designers and i would say well wow Okay, that designer has moved from various across various different fashion houses, but they've kind of kept the same philosophy they've just interpreted. Mm-hmm. Right? You look at somebody like Meryl Streep. Wow, okay. She does all mm. these different roles, but when you look at her, you think, wow, that's Meryl Streep. She has her own particular style that she's honed over the years. So I've I always looked at or even athletes like Serena Williams. Wow, that's Serena Williams playing tennis. And you know what she has in her arsenal that is just kind of unbeatable. So I always try to like model that because I always felt like that's going to make me feel a little bit like a professional athlete or a little bit like a performer or a little bit like this and learn from that, those craftspeople mm. and build that over, 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 over time. Yeah. It's pretty cool to think about your leadership styles being something that you're taking from leaders, not just in the business world, 
So no one's going to disagree that Serena Williams is not a leader. Right. On many levels. Or no, she, no one's going to disagree that she is a leader. That's what yeah. I'm going to say, right? Yeah. Serena Williams is leading the way in so many ways. Uh, yeah. And she's she's changed the face of tennis and dominated, but she's yeah. a wide investor. Uh, you know, she's got a lot of interesting things. Uh, but, and, but it all boils down to what she is, right? She's She was always a trailblazer. She did it differently. Um, she devotes a lot of time into whatever she puts her mind to. Um, she, even though she has very like setbacks and things, she always, you know, fights back this tenacity, right? So you, she's very clear on who she is, which is both, which is incredibly refreshing. Want to boost your productivity and decision-making? Get vital insights from each episode delivered directly to your inbox. A great resource whether you've listened to the episode or not. Go to benfanning.com slash insight. So what's the time you had an unexpected twist or failure in your in your career and how did it lead to your success or growth on down the road? Damn, an unexpected failure. Well, an unexpected twist or failure. It could have been an expected one too. As <laughs> you couldn't avoid. I never thought of it um, that way. When I had an expected failure, it was like this. <laughs> well, in I've had situations where um I just didn't have the best of meetings with clients. You know, sure. you have that. We're just how many tr- client meetings do you have a year? You probably have hundreds, right? Yeah, that's just like, and this happened to me early on where it just kind of imploded on me. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it, it just, it forced me to like question, oh, my, and this was early on, my ingredients for my point of view uh for my particular style aren't good enough um and i'm not good enough or this is like i just question my own ability to be Mm -hmm. uh in in the industry Mm -hmm. and i guess it forced me to look in a different perspective and forced me to learn other skills that i was short on Mm. Uh, oh, that I felt like I was short on. So ever since then, one of the biggest things that I've built across my career is I want very diverse experiences because I want to be able to move between any situation comfortably, which is why it's very interesting. You know, I I I, I wasn't very classic, classic brand planner. You know, I was at, you know, TBWA and Ogilvy and I spent time at BBDO and at these very, as a, as a planner. And then in 2011, 2012, I felt, wow, the world is tilting. Data is becoming mm-hmm. much more important. CRM is becoming much more important. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I need to learn that because I don't want to be caught. I, you know, I remember that situation. I don't want to be caught that that eventually spills into my place and I don't know anything about it. Um, so I got myself into but at the time, I mean, there are a lot more. One of the best CRM data agencies on the planet, 
was called Wonderman at the time and eventually became Wonderman. Because I'm like, I want to learn that side. Because in my head, I thought, oh, I can go from brand, mm-hmm. ideas, you know, insights to, you know, performance and activation mm-hmm. and, you know, accountability and performance uh, by going to them. And I'll be able to have those conversations with a client seamlessly, mm-hmm. which has been, which is a good thing because that, that, such, that twist forced me to be like, you know, don't, once you've learned something, try and particularly early on in your career, learn something else that is completely the opposite of what you might do. In this case, this was, I was, you know, insights, ideas, and I went to the other side. It was hard for me at Wonderman in the beginning because it, it was just a different way of thinking. But in the end, it got added to the way I do things. Hmm. Uh, and it, I guess enriched my particular style. Yeah, I think a lot, that's a good point, and it definitely like a good failure to make you realize you need to change it up a little bit. And so yeah. many people, and I think a lot of leaders, they stay in their comfort zone of exactly. their subject matter expertise. Like I know this area, I'm going to keep it, doing it. And, and, and it maybe you have a failure, and it's sort of a call to action to just go deeper in your space. Uh-huh. I'm going to learn more about that. So next time I'm more prepared. But you said, well, maybe I need to add this. I need to add this. It sounds like <laughs> you didn't out. just add it. You went actually worked over there to uh, fully absorb it. So you really <laughs> went all in on it. I I, I really did because mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, I don't. Well, because I went back to back to my, you know core philosophy is like, I want to be able to be the first person to roll, like to be able to do the work. Mm. And I, I could, I could read about it, but I want to be a practitioner in it. And I want to be able to actually be able to do it. Reading about it is just not, a, you know, just, just not, a, just not enough. You know, I wanted, I wanted the experience of being, but that's a great way that you just summed up. I think for a lot of leaders, we tend to like go deep and deep and deep and you, you can be an expert at something, but when you add new things to it, you're going to, mm-hmm. for me, like it's a new dimension to it. And it's going to make you, I don't know, a little bit more future-proof, I guess, in your career and your relevancy and your ability to just kind of move with the industry trends and where everything is moving. Yeah, it almost it, it almost sounds like, hey, as a leader, you have to have failures. Because if you hadn't had that moment, you yeah. might have just kept doubling down being paid well, being recognized well to be yeah. in the same gig over and over and over. And, you know, I think leaders, sometimes they, they miss that. It's like, oh man, this didn't go well. And you what's, know what? What's the action I'm taking? It's so funny. I remember when I, I went over to Wonderman at the time, which is not Wonderman Thompson. People said to me, oh my God, that's so not you. You shouldn't go there. That's not, <laughs> that's not, do that's it. not you. They were making, you know, I guess a fair judgment. But I never questioned. I'm like, oh no, no, I want to learn that. I want to fundamentally learn that side because I don't, I don't know that, and it's a a blind spot, you know. Uh, it's a it's a blind it's a blind spot for me, uh, mm. and I, I wanted mm-hmm. to learn. And it was like one of the best career moves I ever made. Yeah, it, it were, and we were and y'all we were talking a little bit, and I mentioned Tim Ferriss, uh, who's a is a, is a podcast that we both yep. you know follow, and one of the things that. That, that Tim has said several times is people ask him, well, how does he know whether to make a move or make a specific investment? And 
what he talks about is it's not just the money you're investing is, are there going to be relationships that I'll benefit from? Is there going to be knowledge that I gain? And so he thinks about investment and he thinks about risk-taking. It has these other dimensions. And I really like how you, it sounds like people are saying, look, Nelson, that's not you. Don't go over there. But you're like, wait, I'm not looking at it for maybe just a paycheck standpoint. I'm looking at it as what I can learn and the people I'm going to meet. That's the ultimate payoff that I'm looking for in this risk. And it probably, I, I'm not going to put words in your mouth, but it probably seemed exactly. like a no-brainer at the time. Exactly. It was all around, what am I going to learn? It's going to motivate me in a different way. It's going to push me out of my comfort zone because we all know comfort zones are great, but nothing happens there. You yeah, know, comfortable. nothing, nothing happens there. You know, it's not your growth zone, I guess. You're not going to, you're not going to learn anything new. So my whole thing is I'm going to push myself out of my comfort zone. It's going to be a little bumpy at first. Cause I'm not going to like, my mind has been wired in a different way. And this is just going to, you know, force me to think about it in a completely way. And I just want to be, I guess, relevant for the future because that's mm -hmm. uh, where everything is naturally moving. And look where we are now. It is where we are kind of as an, as an industry. Yep. Right. Uh, All right. So, so let's couple last questions here. Uh, Cause we've really hit the point of view piece. So I think this is, this is a very appropriate thing. What books, podcasts, or music do you recommend for someone in the C-suite or who is on a mission to get there? All of your podcasts. <laughs> yes. Lead the team. You need to listen to every yeah. single one or at least most yeah. of them. Let me, this is what I tend to do. Mm -hmm. Read about people and things that inspire you. Like mm -hmm. I like looking at what is Bill Gates talking about? What is he saying? What is Satya Nadal, the CEO of Microsoft, talking about saying? What is he kind of dabbling in? What is somebody like Elon Musk talking about? What is somebody like Ariana Huffington? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I love her books where she's, you know, she's kind of built her this thing about, you know, your well-being and taking care of yourself. Yes. Yep. And, you know, getting enough sleep and not being, you know, a, a martyr to your work because that's not going to fundamentally help you. Mm -hmm. Go watch the world. Watch fashion designers that you really, really love and how they create. Uh, I'm a big fan of Cirque du Soleil. So when I was recently in Montreal, I went to a Cirque du Soleil show and it, it's always amazing. I always come out of there so inspired because I'm like, damn, I have never seen anybody make a mistake here. And it rings true for me because it's like, these are impeccable crafters. These are credible performers who they have it so honed in and they could be exceptional all the time. What is Serena Williams saying? What is she talking about? That's where I would go. So Wherever those people go, so, go and so, learn. So good stuff, good stuff. This is very yeah. broad and cool. Yeah. Fashion designers. Talking to, say you've got a leader in here listening, and they're like, that sounds cool. I've never thought about that. But where the heck do I start looking at fashion designers if I have no idea about fashion? Like, where do you, where do you, like, what's the first step for a leader who's like, you know what? I want to bust out of my comfort zone. Where in the world do I start with fashion? You know, you know, it, for, it forced me to, to look at fashion designers because I remember 
I think it was on a YouTube thing. I was listening to um, Carl Lagerfeld, who, you know, you know, you know, mm. has designed for a bunch of amazing brands. And he said, you have to be, and I had never thought about this. He's like, you have to be careful with too much process. Because mm. the inevitable problem with process is it's going to force you back to the same place over and over again. And I'm paraphrasing for him. Sometimes you have to break the process to be able to create new ground. And I mm. thought, oh my God, that's so interesting. Because I remember Lee kind of saying that to me way back when. He's like, well, you can't always use the same discussion guide uh, mm. in a focus group because you're inevitably going to get the same answers all the time. And we talk about scaling in our industry all the time. There's wonders to scaling, right? Because mm. you get to do the same thing over and over again. But at some point, you need to like rein it in and say, okay, are we just creating the same stuff over and over again? Or are okay. we being I think I'm with you on this. So process to me, one of, one, one of the words that's music to my ears is efficient. Like yeah. <laughs> A lot of ladies like, a process is efficient. By its nature, you reduce cost, it's smoother. Yeah. Efficiency Everybody's on to board. me feels good. It just feels like, just like, mm, like a hum. Mm -hmm. Fashion designers are not about efficiency, right? It's about manual. It's about grit and surprise and randomness and a bunch of manual work, I think, and just every single detail. So it's an interesting. It, so, so it sounds like that's where you draw some inspiration from. Yeah, but that, that, yeah, yeah, but. A lot of these people are in massive fashion houses with LVMH that make. I mean, didn't LVMH have the biggest year ever? <laughs> I mean, it's like yeah, okay, okay. So, you know, so where do we? So it's like they're they're big businesses in and of themselves, but they. Mm -hmm. I'm just saying that sometimes when you get maybe a bit stale, I know you can decide. It's like, do we have the right process? Because I agree okay. with you. Process mm -hmm. is important for efficiencies, scale getting everybody on board, getting everybody together, but you can't let it um, not give you breakthrough work, mm. right? And if it doesn't give you breakthrough work, then you have to like constantly be checking in on it a little bit. I like that. I like that. Any fashion yeah. designer specifically that a novice should check out and would say, holy cow, Ugh. that blows my mind. And I'm asking for a friend, aka me, because go, sure. go, go to a celebrated American fashion designer, Tom Ford. He is Tom well Ford. He, F -O Tom Ford, F O R D. Okay. He has been everywhere. He's designed for a lot of places. He's okay. got a really cool point of view, very successful. Uh, All right. But, but Tom there's Ford. A, yeah, there's a whole bunch of uh, young fashion designers. I've just started following a young guy out of LA. Well, now he has his own brand called Amiri, who was also really cool. Beautiful. Amiri. Amiri. How, do you it? How do you spell it? A-M-I-R-I. -A and then don't forget about people like, you know, Elon Musk, Bill Gates, Ariana Huffington. All the biggies there. Yeah. That, Marina those Williams. Are, those are great. Yeah. And you, yeah, there are people out, out there, and, I, and I'm a big fan of identifying a few of those people for ourselves, the sort of aspirational yeah. uh, leaders. 
And I like what you said about find the ones that connect with you. And then it sounds like you didn't say this, but it sounds like sort of go deep on them. Like what are they tweeting? What is their Instagram? What books, what podcast? Yeah. Um, What are they saying? And be diverse. Although all different subject matter, because it's going to make you diverse and open to the world and know how the world is moving. And going back to your point of view as a leader, honed in in a fun and fashionable way. Last question. (laughs) What's a tool or gadget that's contributed to your success that listeners could go out and purchase? Oh, my God. (laughs) Damn, an iPhone. An iPhone. (laughs) Why not the new one? It's going to be a new one. Yeah, I'm like... It's going to be $3 million. Yeah, I mean... What's your favorite app on the iPhone? Pardon me? What's your favorite app that brings you the most joy? Calm. Calm. The The meditation. Yeah. How often do you use it? Three, four times a week. Wow. It just forces you to like get away from the world, you know, get in your thoughts. Yeah. It's just a good Are you a morning calmer? Are you a nighttime, midday? When do you? I'm a nighttime. Nighttime. And in the morning, I am ready to go. So, yeah, it's almost like my brain is like. Regenerating at night. <laughs> Calm as it is. Calm it is. No. Calm it is no. the app. The app. Yes. Cool. All right. Well, thank you for coming on today. What's thank what's you. your parting thought to our listeners out there in lead the team world? Okay. Work on your craft. Work on your talent because talent always wins. Always. All right. If you have that, says Nelson here. Here we go. Yeah, you've you've got it. Thanks, Nelson. Thank you. Thanks, Ben. If you're an executive at a crossroads in your career and thinking about quitting, do this before you do anything else. Head over to benfanning.com slash quit to receive a free signed copy of my number one best-selling book, The Quit Alternative, The Blueprint for Creating the Job You Love Without Quitting. You'll learn the critical questions you must answer before you make such an impactful decision. Go to benfanning.com slash quit to get this valuable resource for just the cost of shipping. Ben Fanning is a number one best-selling author, Inc. Magazine columnist, and CEO of the Fanning Group, an international consultancy and corporate training company. To learn how they can help your organization, go to benfanning.com.